Hey, Willie, since this episode of the podcast is going to be going up right around Christmas, Christmas Eve, I was thinking, why don't we About start Santa off? Daddy? Me too. Why don't we start off by reading our Sugar Santa wish list for who we want to sponsor the podcast in 2021? Ooh, you prepared a list. Did I miss the memo? All right. I got a list. I'll make it up. I got this. Since I have no real hair to talk about and just kind of like some fuzz, I was hoping that we could maybe get a sponsorship from somebody like a Harry's, you know, get those, get those $5 razors or yeah, maybe even a $5 shave club. What do you think about that? As someone who is more follically gifted, I think, than you, I still think this would be nice because, as I've said on the show, anytime I try to grow a mustache or a beard, the local school calls and says that I'm no longer invited within a four-mile radius. So I think Harry's would be really nice, keeping uh, the children safe. So as you know, I moved into a new house, so I was thinking maybe a good sponsor for the podcast would be something like uh, a home security system, maybe ADT, Nest, Echo B. Do they do stuff like that? Or they just do like thermostats? Just any smart home stuff would be great. I know of the smartest home security system possible. Talk about a Christmas miracle, Kevin McAllister. Let's get Kevin McAllister to stand guard for your home 24-7. This episode brought to you by... Christmas Daddy, Kevin McAllister. All right, Macaulay, so when we put this on YouTube, we're just going to need you to stand there and answer the door. If somebody comes to the door, we're going to need you to say ding dong. Yeah, we'll pay you extra for other types of doorbell chimes. And if somebody knocks, we need you to scream like you did in the movie. Okay? I was thinking that maybe this year we can ask for some sort of candle company to fill the air with joy and maybe... Just maybe get rid of your stink. I thought we talked about this. We did, and I, it's still not working. I can smell you through my screen right now. So just go and get yourself a Yankee candle or one of those ones that snap, crackle, and pop and smell like a pine tree. Okay. And then shove it right up your ass. Welcome to the front podcast of the internet. I'm your host, Willie. And I'm your other host, No He Won't. You know what, Scott? If you continue to start this podcast without telling people your name, nobody's ever going to know who you are. You just said my name. Ah, crap. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. For those of you that celebrate Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, which is happening right now. Right? Is it over? Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Festivus to those who don't believe in all of this, you know, holiday crap as they would probably put it we recognize you atheists we recognize you we record this podcast before and we upload it at a later date so scott what are your plans for christmas as this episode is going up what are you expecting to be doing well if this is going up on christmas eve i will be working and then making a lovely christmas eve meal maybe opening up a stocking stuffer that I have gotten for my significant other and calling my parents, my family. Do you do you participate in like those Merry Christmas texts that, you know, you you haven't talked to these people in a, all year, but 
for the one day of the year you're like, this person matters again in my life. I'm going to say Merry Christmas. I'm going to mass. I've done that before where I've mass sent out a Merry Christmas to people. I don't know if it gets the response that I'm looking for. I think if anything, it helps me understand my loneliness. And I don't know if I really want to partake in just sending out that type of text message thread. And mind you, the only person in my family that I text is my sister because the rest of them don't know how to text. Right. Your dad's still trying to recover his identity. I don't think your mom's ever used a cell phone. I get it. What about you? What are what are your holiday traditions around this time? I, I That's a really good question. So the today me, the grown-up introvert, deals with the impending doom that is having to force conversation with people. And I don't know what it is. I don't know where it happened when I was growing up that I decided that these big social gatherings were so traumatizing, I think, is is the wrong word, but so difficult and challenging for me. It's awkward, right? It's awkward. It feels forced. It doesn't feel like I get to genuinely be myself. It feels like I'm putting on a face when all I want to do is chill. I want to eat amazing food. I want to play some video games and I just want to, you can be in the room, but let me enjoy the things that I really want to enjoy. To me, that's what a holiday should be. It should be about spending time with family, but not having the requirement of not being in your space. Do you feel the same way? Like when you leave your space and have to go to someone else's, there's this awkwardness of like, am I allowed to use the bathroom? What's this like? What are the nuances? What if I take a massive dump and I broke the toilet. Now there's 40 people in the room. What do I do with my hands? That would be a nightmare scenario for most people or an alpha scenario for others. But I, th- <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're right. As, as we get older, we realize like what's really important to us, who in our lives really matters. And so like we, we build our inner circle with our immediate significant others and family that we grew up with. But then there's kind of like the next ring, which could be aunts and uncles and cousins. And for some people, they stay in contact all year long. For others, you don't see them, but this one time of year. And as as I've become more of an adult, I realize or I recognize just that's that is kind of awkward because when you were a young, a young kid, it's like everything was about you getting presents and like them taking care of you and like asking how school's going. But once you get on their level, it almost seems kind of disrespectful if you don't stay in contact with them the whole year long. And then you just show up and say like, hey, how's it going? Because everything's completely changed. Right. You know, you don't expect anything from them anymore because you realize you're in the same spot. And this all all of the the aura of Christmas is geared towards children. So, you know, you start having your own kids and taking care of them. So it's. It's kind of like, if anything, you, you try to glean information from them and how did how did they really raise us and their kids and make it good for your kids or younger cousins from, you know, other family members, nieces and nephews. How many people gather for your for Christmas? In the past, I mean, my, my mom had seven brothers and sisters. So, oh my God, okay. Yeah, we had Catholic, a pretty big right? family gathering. And on my dad's side, he only had two, a brother and a sister. So it was it was smaller, more intimate. But as time has gone on, we've just kind of lost touch with everybody, or at least I have, because I've been more introverted like you. And it's just trying to figure out who I am 
has taken me away from a lot of those types of celebration. Yeah, it's it's been really weird. I um, My family gathering is 40 to 50 people, and it continues to grow in size. And my family is fairly conservative, just about all of them. And they made a call this summer with everything that was happening that they said, we're not going to gather for for this Christmas, knowing the pandemic happening. It doesn't feel right to bring 40 people together. So everybody chose to donate money to different causes and not gather in large groups. So that and we're still holding true to that. So we're not going to be uh, gathering this year. But that is I, maybe why it's been so exhausting for me to spend so much time. But one thing I will be doing this Christmas is watching uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Ooh, yeah, that, that comes out on Christmas Day, doesn't it? It does. Do you have high hopes, low hopes, or no hopes for that show? I would say I have high hopes that it's better than the last one. I love Kristen Wiig. She's an amazing actress. Um, Wait, is she in this? Yeah, she plays the bad guy. One of the bad guys. Along with the I Mandalorian, that. That's great. Pedro Pascal. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a really fun thing to watch. The other thing that I think maybe we've lost sight on is uh, a lot of people are going to be in. Well, I mean, is it really about him anymore? I don't think it's been about him for a while. I'm just kidding. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the War on Christmas. (laughs) No, I think that uh, a lot of people are introducing specials on their OnlyFans. So if you are alone, you can get some of that hot, hot hand loving on Christmas Eve. Wait a minute. I've never thought about that until right now. As somebody who maybe became self-employed this year on that channel, so Mm -hmm. to speak, yeah, you have you're running your own business now. You have to provide seasonal discounts just like all the other big retail chains, don't you? Interesting. Yep, your body on seasonal discount. That really challenges the idea of self-worth, right? I I've been thinking a lot about this. I I know this is totally off topic from what I I wanted to talk about this episode, but there was an article this week from the New York Post about a an EMT who, to make ends meet during the pandemic, opened an OnlyFans. And the New York Post, the... The the fish wrap factory in New York, yeah. Quote, unquote, journalist, made outreach to this woman and said, hey, I, I want to ask you some questions about your job and, and what you do, and was so, like, buddy-buddy and convincing in all of the negative ways that are personified on journalists, didn't tell this woman what the piece was about, and then said at the very end, oh, I'm doing this because I want to out you as being on OnlyFans. And like the woman broke down crying and was all Whoa. of this negative stuff. I just want to say that I don't think under any circumstances, something like sex work is the kind of the role this would fall under should be construed as a negative thing. Like this is somebody who is choosing to do whatever the hell they want with their body And we shouldn't disparage that. And the thing is, is she's probably making a really good amount of money because uh, of what she's able to do and take advantage of all the assets that have been given to her in her life. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that it's it's kind of it's kind of appalling. I mean, that whole situation is appalling, but it's also appalling that she maybe needed to do this because her job as an EMT wasn't making ends meet for her so if she was in a situation where in order to survive she needed to come up with this extra form of income as you know as long as it's legal 
Why, why is anybody having a problem with it? AOC tweeted something similar and said the, the title of this article should have been EMT is not paid enough to do her job and needs to get a second job. Yeah, it's just crazy because you'd think that job, which involves saving lives, would be a little bit more uh, well-funded. Yeah. Speaking of that, this week in public freakouts, or earlier this week, I guess, a video came out of Tom Cruise on the set of Mission Impossible 7 at his staff because they're not taking COVID precautions seriously. If you haven't seen the video, it's a, it's a longer one. It's about two minutes and 18 seconds. And people are putting it into two camps. They're putting it in the camp of, what was his name that yelled, like, let's he, just fucking do, oh, Christian Bale. They're, yeah, he Christian Bailed his crew. That he's just yelling at his crew for not doing something. But then there's another camp of people saying he is taking these health precautions so serious that he's willing to let people go if they don't realize that he's trying to set the example for the industry. I want to know where you sit, what your thoughts are on this. The first time I read the article, I was I was kind of not surprised given Tom Cruise's history as being a very intense person. And so... I listened to the audio kind of begrudgingly because I was like, oh, here we go. Another Hollywood celebrity freaking out. But when you listen to what he's saying and what he's trying to convey, as it turns out, that production of Mission Impossible 7 was actually already delayed once by COVID. And so he is he's on a rant basically about saving people's jobs, about keeping the industry alive, because I'm sure... Setting the expectation for what... Yeah, I'm sure he recognizes the weight of everything else that's going on. You know, and he's Tom Cruise. He's a Scientologist. So everybody was kind of piling on that aspect, saying, like, you can never you can never just focus on the the one thing that is going on in front of you. You always have to look at the entire picture. Right. So is he is he justified freaking out about this and not about like what the church that he follows does to their workers and stuff you know so with everything you take it with a grain of salt but he did make some good points you know if the movie industry as we know it has struggled immensely just like every other industry this year Mm -hmm. so for for him to say like you guys got to follow these rules otherwise you're fired i think that's justified considering everything that could be on the line for that particular production the one thing that i was questioning is his method in doing that. I know that as an actor, especially in Tom Cruise's case where he's directing and acting, he needs to have his emotions in check or he's projecting maybe what his character is about to do in that scene. So this could be a projection of, I'm in an intense moment where my mind is going to this place where I need to be extreme in my reactions. But as somebody who is in a leadership role in my current job, I look at something like this as, is this the right way to to position yourself? But also, so there's this internal debate that I have. Is it okay to yell at staff? And in turn, are his staff members or are people in the public maybe overreacting to loudness as saying that that's not okay? When, when did that line get drawn where the ways in which we communicate, like this type of communication, is completely uncalled for? Or, like, I don't know. 
you, you I mean you bring up a good point like what's the best way to convey any type of message you know in any situation right the I think it, you know I think he might have been in an intense scene and that just was how he was in that moment he might have been because that's what Christian Bale was doing too Christian Bale was like in a mindset he's a method actor and somebody walked across the shot in the middle so he might have just let his uh, emotions take over at that point as someone who's not in a leadership role i listened to this rant from tom cruise and i actually texted one of my friends i was like oh somebody somebody caught my inner monologue for when we first reopened our business <laughs> and people weren't taking it seriously cuz like that's what i wanted to yell at people who weren't taking it. But for me, not necessarily. Yelling isn't always a good option. Yelling is something that should be one of the the later or last options to express something. Tom could have gone over there and just been like, hey guys, you gotta you gotta stay apart. Like our everybody on this shoot doesn't want to get sick. Like there's people's jobs here. Like you can't do this. And I'm sorry, but if I see you doing it again, I'm going to I'm going to make sure you guys are gone. You know, he could have said it just nice and soft like that. I'm going to reenact this as if I was Tom Cruise in a way that I would expect would go off a little bit better for the general public. You ready? So, Scott, you're going to play the two guys. So anyway, for this movie that we're recording here, I can't wait hey, to get it. Scott, maybe. Oh, Scott. Oh, Tom here. Hi, hi, Tom. Hi. What's going on? Hey, buddy. If you cannot step one fucking foot away from Kevin, I swear to God, you will never work a goddamn day in this industry again. Hey, Kevin, get the fuck out of here. You're fired. Hey, everybody. I just want to announce to everybody on set that Kevin is fired because he can't get Scott's dick out of his mouth. And I swear to God, if you keep fondling his balls, he's going to shoot COVID right into your face. So if anybody else would like to go fondle Scott's balls... Yes, please. You're going to be fucking fired, too. Scott, you are a, a patriot. That is one massive schlong that you have, but you need to stop shooting your COVID juice into everybody's mouth hole. Wait a minute. H- hold up. Hold up. What That's kind how of, it gets passed, right? What kind, what kind of film is Tom Cruise working on here? There was a lot of... Scientology. I don't... Is this, is this missionary impossible? <laughs> what are we... Uh... Mission Impossible 7? Panty Protocol? Okay, so in response to that, I would say, hopefully, we don't have to worry about this this ongoing pandemic for much longer, because hopefully everybody knows by now the first, first vaccines got delivered to countries across the world, including here in the United States. And this week in r slash picks, the very first frontline worker... A nurse named Sandra Lindsay was vaccinated in New York. Saw this. That's so exciting. As somebody who wants to get the vaccine, and I hope you do too, what do you think about vaccinating all of our frontline workers and our elderly first, and then kind of like going down the list? How do you feel about your position on the list of people to get vaccinated? It's kind of like I'm on the Titanic and... The, the women and children, for this example, the, the frontline workers and the, and the elderly and high risk, they're getting their, their vaccines first while I'm waiting and standing on the very top like Leo, 
hoping to God I don't slip and fall and die along the way. But I understand my place in the hierarchy. And I, all jokes aside, I think it's the most appropriate way for them to distribute this. I also think that once they get to that point, you're going to solidify a healthcare industry that is more capable of being able to support, uh, more able to lower those high risk and big moments that are, are causing just tons of spread for this disease. So I would hope that what we'll start to see is a drastic decrease in these big populist moments. So I, I personally am, am okay if it takes six, seven, eight, nine months, a year before it shows up on our on our doorstep. I will say the thing I'm most worried about, though, is it's kind of like getting on any roller coaster. I'm like terrified for that moment. And I think it's only going to build and build in anticipation because I'm terrified of needles. So the thought of getting this needle not once, but multiple times, because you need to do it in stages. That really I've, concerns me, but I think I'm just going to have to put my big boy pants on. I've heard it doesn't hurt. You don't know. It's, yeah, it's just a quick prick and you're done. I was also thinking about this. I've done, I've watched a ton of videos on what goes into making this vaccine. Have oh, you... Yeah, like the ingredients list? Well, I haven't gone through that. I would love to hear that here in a second, but I do know how they're doing it. I know a lot of people probably tune out my rants, but I, I just want to kind of walk through the way in which this vaccine works because it's super fascinating. It was at this point in the podcast that Willie went off on one of his famous rants, explaining to us all about how the current vaccine works. Every fucking time, man. I just want to be there. Just go to the Instagram and listen. It's really cool. Sub for that. My follow-up, Willie, is what do you think about athletes professional athletes being one of the second rounds now obviously our administration has to get it because they are the people in charge and you know nothing political about that they are the people that we have elected to be in charge i think they should be the ones to get it because they have to run the country and it i think we, elected officials should get it and i know that's not a political thing yeah give it but to what them about to run what about our, country? our entertainment industry what do you think about them so like tom cruise you know, LeBron James, like all of our, our four big major sports leagues. What do you think about them getting it before somebody who, say, works in a mall? There's two ways to look at this. One, that is an incredibly privileged position to be in, that actors and athletes that are in luxury industries have access to something that is life-saving. I think that there is a ton of privilege there that shouldn't go unnoticed. Alternatively, me, who works in a sales position, finds so much joy in my life because of those roles. I'm not into I'm not into sports, but so many people are. I love movies, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. I really want them to be able to get back out, do work, to create entertaining things that I can watch and enjoy. Imagine, Scott, if you will, that you and I are so damn good at our job on this podcast that everybody wanted to listen to us. And without us, so many people would miss the the joy and entertainment in their lives. And this is all the things that we hope for. That's what I really want under the Christmas tree. But let's say that was the case. Do you think that it would be okay for us to position, hey guys, I know you really want to listen to this show, so we are positioned to get this vaccine so that Scott and I can produce the best content to bring joy to your life. We're a really small percentage 
of the 300 million people in the United States. It's just it's just us. It's this small micro percentage to continue to do the work to bring you joy in the future. I think there's both sides to that. There, there is a good argument. I don't think they should be the next round. I think the people after healthcare workers and people who run the country and are elderly in nursing homes because they've been hit the hardest should be people who work in grocery stores and control our food and infrastructure. So I'm thinking like people, government workers who keep the water running, you know, electricity, utilities for the entire United States. They should kind of essential industries. Exactly. Yeah. Manufacturing, Um, grocery, food delivery, anything that's in that world. Hell, I think McDonald's and fast food should be able to provide it to their employees faster than just about anybody. Right. That's just my two cents. That's a really that's a really good counter to it. I'm okay then with entertainment industries getting it next. Our lives haven't been changed in incredibly drastic ways. We continue to get a paycheck, we're employed, we do work, albeit differently than we have in the past, but outside of that, our day-to-day our our paycheck is the same. We just have to take precautions. So I think that if we're last on the list, I think that's probably okay. Yeah, I mean, as long as we're pulling down our paycheck, we can we can survive, hopefully survive another year of this. One definite yeah. casualty, unfortunately, for this year, however, is something that people have been kind of waiting for all year long and and maybe even several years long if we're uh, if we're thinking back uh, in terms of production timeline, but you can put Cyberpunk 2077 on this year's pandemic casualty list because as of this as of i think last night as uh, we're recording this yeah merry christmas yeah merry christmas sony the sony store they have pulled cyberpunk the game from their sony store you can no longer buy it digitally anymore willie this game has been one of the most anticipated video games in the entire industry. We're talking like Skyrim, GTA 5 level anticipation. And for them to come out with the game in the state that it is, really put a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Do you want to explain or should I explain? Why don't you explain it and I will tell people what the game is like because I've had the opportunity to play it. Okay. This game is supposed to be a open world RPG. Your character gets to go around and do a bunch of quests and you get to interact with this, what's called cyberpunk because it's a future dystopian, people have robotic attachments, just that type of scenario. All of the previews that were given out by this company, CD Projekt Red, were on PC and they gave no demos or pre-release previews for the current generation or what was previously known as the current generation system ps4 and xbox one the game is super buggy it is downright unplayable at sometimes because it will crash and it looks like you're playing a game from a xbox 360 system rather than what used to be called current gen Almost to points, and I think this is, people are memeing this. I think they're probably lowering some settings on their their PC to make it look like hot garbage, but it looks like they took the graphics from 
Perfect Dark or Goldeneye, and they put your character in a world of tiny little polygons, and it looks like trash. Having played the game, I've I probably haven't invested too many hours, maybe 15 hours into the game at most. It is unbelievable the extent they went through and the character interaction. Where this game gets insane is everything you interact with. Every choice that you make has repercussions on the end story. So Scott, you could just be in a car like GTA 5 driving on the road and you'll see a little uh, a little blip on your map and you'll say, oh, there's a side quest here. It just showed up. I'm going to go do this. And you think that it's completely arbitrary. There's nothing really happening. And maybe one of the things they ask you to do is go see if you can help this random NPC. Along the way, you kill somebody. They got in your way. They're shooting back at you. You kill them. You could have killed a main quest line character. And now that quest line is shut off to you in the future of the game. Whoa. Where you're about to spend three, four hundred hours on this game. You don't know that that quest line is there. So you go and ask one of your buddies and they're like, yeah, did you go talk to so-and-so? And it's like, who? Interesting. I did not know that. That makes me want to get it when it's actually done. So how do you feel about this game company? I, I don't want to say they did it on purpose because we all know in the video game industry, you get into crunch time, which is where they just say, hey, make it do it now. I don't care if you have families. I don't care if you eat. You're going to be here. You're going to get this game finished because we have to get it out. There's There's been plenty of news about how companies don't really care about the developers and their lives, and they just force them to make the game as quickly as possible, set unrealistic deadlines. So how do you feel about the company, number one, deceiving people by saying the game was done when it clearly isn't? Number two deceiving us again with just PC previews, giving it the best possible maximum light and not showing us anything on the previous gen systems where you would say the most numbers are in terms of ownership. And number three, just not, I mean, just not delaying the game until it was actually finished. They've delayed it over and over and over again. And I'm not a believer these development companies are the evil businesses, corporations that a lot of people make them out to be. I think that's a lot of hyperbole. I think in many ways, this is a group of developers that are incredibly passionate about their artistic work. They set deadlines and they couldn't meet it. And they set another deadline and they couldn't meet it. I think that the pressure for them probably came as much from their own desire to put something out, put a project out. They've spent countless years, decades of thinking about and developing for. And they said, guys, we've put so much into this. We need to set a, a deadline. And our fans have been telling us over and over and over again that we care about being able to live in this universe and we will be willing to deal with the bugs. But I think that that was a mistake on CD Projekt Red that the negative voice of critics always outweighs the positive energy that comes from something. This is, I think, in my mind, a clear example of a company that just wanted to get the product out, not to make money, but to show the world what they were capable of. And the negative press pushed them so damn hard that it's going to put a negative light on this game forever. And that's kind of a disservice to what these guys were trying to do. 
I get that. I, I definitely hear that. I, I wish that it hadn't been this way. I wish it had been a better experience for both sides, both end user and creator. Right. But I go back to plenty of other games that have come out and just been much more polished at their release. I mean, you look at something like Nintendo. They don't even announce a game until it's practically ready to come out and they've made it perfect. You don't hear about bug fixes for Animal Crossing. You don't hear about bug fixes for Zelda Breath of the Wild in the same vein as you do for Red Dead 2 and Cyberpunk 2077. I think you bring up a really valid point. I don't think we should hear announcements and hype for something unless there is a definitive production date of that thing. Uh, You're going to come back to bite your core audience if you do that, if you overpromise that way. And I think this is just probably a misstep at the beginning where they wanted to put this out out into the world and they probably could have delayed it an additional year and nobody would have blinked an eye had they not announced it in the 20, was it, was it 2018? Yeah, their trailer. Hey, can I talk a little bit about announcements? Because there's another company that has promised some pretty outlandish future projects. And I want to hear your reaction because holy buckets, am I freaking excited. Oh, okay. Go for it. Disney had their investor call. And talk about a weird place to do this. Normally, they're going to do it at a Comic-Con or they're going to do it at some sort of audience event. And they chose their investor call to say, hey, we're Disney+. Plus. Here are 52 projects in the works and they're going to blow the dick off of everybody. Oh, everybody's going to become female. Now, I specifically want to talk about two franchises or or two of their staples that we're excited about probably the most. But you had your Hulu content, you had your Disney Plus content, you had uh, Pixar, Disney uh, shows and movies. But I think the two categories you and I are most excited about are the MCU and Star Wars. I could not believe the sheer amount of content that this one production company, granted they are Disney, is going to be creating over the next decade. I think the, the, I think the timeline they announced, though, was only th- like three years out, Scott. Yeah, but each one of these potentially sets forth a branch that they could go off of. Like, they announced True. all of these new properties, and we'll, we'll post them in the show notes. We don't have to say every single one. But each one of those shows could lead to something else that extends it into the future. We had Rogue One, as an example, create Andor. And mm-hmm. then who knows what characters are going to be in Andor? They could get their own spinoff series. It's potentially endless content from a galaxy far, far away. Specifically talking about Star Wars, I think there are two shows in here that I was incredibly surprised by. One, in the latest Mandalorian that that Scott and I are caught up on, which might be a few back for, for you listener, they showed us Ashoka. Little did we know, they've had a show in production. The whole time. The whole time. So Rosario Dawson gets to go play this character, and we just got to see just a moment, a blip in time of what that's going to look like. And everybody got hyped up, and everybody's like, oh my god, they should make a show out of this. This is amazing. And then they're like, hey, a week later, guess what? We do. Or, and maybe this, for a lot of people, they don't give a shit, but the Obi-Wan Kenobi series? Oh, people give a shit. With <laughs> Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. Coming back as Darth Vader. It's insane. 
The the one w- I didn't really understand, Willie, and I, I was only following on Twitter as they were announced this, but they have a spinoff from The Mandalorian. It's called Star Wars Texas Rangers. Is that Rangers is that of the Chuck New Republic? Norris? Yeah, it's... Oh! Yeah, it's starring what? Chuck Norris it, is reprising his role as a future... If he doesn't show up in some sort of bar scene, just either in the background or just has a, a couple of lines... I'm going to be disappointed, but that would be hilarious. Willie, do me a quick favor. Read off all the Star Wars things that were announced. Andor, Rangers of the New Republic, Ashoka, Obi-Wan Kenobi, The Acolyte, Lando, Visions, The Bad Batch, and Star Wars, A Droid Story. Crazy. Just crazy. That's the next three years, 10 properties. And then what about the MCU side? What did What did they announce for that? even more so they they really started talking about phase four and five this link that i have on reddit is from the marvel's studio subreddit and some of the shows we know about already like legends wandavision falcon and the winter soldier black widow the Mm -hmm. movie finally coming out and loki but then they started announcing things that i think are going to be game changers the the show they announced called what if did you see the trailer for that? That's There's really so cool... much they can explore. Yeah, that's that's based on the comic books. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that is Chadwick Boseman's last effort with the with the MCU. Because he, in the trailer, I think it's picked to be Captain America. In this, uh, this spoiler-free kind of list that they've put in here, here's some cast members that we should be excited about that are going to show up in the What If series. Josh Brolin as Thanos, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, Natalie Portman, Taika Waititi, Jeff Goldblum, Mark Ruffalo, Samuel L. Jackson, Jeremy Renner, Karen Gillian as Nebula, Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas. They're they're all here. One thing that's really interesting to think about, Willie, how many Star Wars and Marvel movies came out in 2020? Zero. That's correct. We've had a whole year off of both Star Wars and Marvel franchises. Whereas up until this year, it seemed to be we had two or three almost every single year. One in March, May, and then another in Christmas. Yep. I remember thinking like, I've got fatigue. And I don't know if we talked about this in the early early episodes, but like, I was ready to take a break after the end of... I think you're thinking Rise of Skywalker. And the last Avengers. It's like, I just felt it was a good place to take a pause... And my my resolution for this year was actually to not watch any content or as little uh, digital content as possible. A lot of fat good that one did me, but it just felt like a good place to pause. And it, it, maybe nature agreed. I am thankful that they're pausing on that kind of main storyline for a while, because that kind of needs to go back to the drawing board. To get frozen in carbonite. I think similar to the way that we feel about Warner Brothers and the DC Universe, Disney might do a really good job of creating their secondary stories, but you and I are both feeling exhausted or losing faith in that main storyline. Now, what we do have a lot of faith in is you, our listeners, and we thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you would like to go and listen to Willie's rant about how mRNA vaccines work, please go find it on our Instagram at sub for that which will be then copied and pasted into our twitter 
at sub for that. Or if you'd just like to rant at us, you can reach out on our electronic mail at sub for that podcast at gmail.com. We also have personal Twitters at Scott Garola and WildMN293. And remember, no matter what you're into, whether it's applying to college, Smash Bros, Switch Hacksing, Perfectly Cut Screams, or New Girl, there's, there's a, a sub, sub for that. that.